Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody, this morning. And uh, I'm so thankful to have a, a body of uh, believers and leaders and men that uh, can be here to assist me. I asked Bob uh, this morning if uh, he would take care of the, uh, the communion today. Obviously, that's something that uh, you know, Bob is uh, very good. And, and the thing that I really got excited about this morning was an adult Sunday school class. You know, you know, if anybody knows Pastor Bob, he avoids politics like the plague. He really does. And, and of course, if anybody knows me or Johnny Miller or Roger Kruger, we kind of embed ourselves in politics. And uh, I'm going to talk about politics today. I mean, that's two things you never talk about, right? Politics or religion? Well, we're going to get them both covered today. But I think by the time that you uh, are done with it, see the message why I'm going to be speaking about politics, but it might be politics in a different manner that you've never heard them before. Uh, but before I get into that message, uh, I just ask the Lord uh, in prayer to, uh, to bless us for us to hear. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for this day. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that uh, you are truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father... Everything that we have, everything that we are, our whole being, Heavenly Father, is subject to you. And we are just so grateful that you are a good king and that you loved us so much that you sent your son to go to that cross and die on our behalf. And that our sins are truly forgiven and that we can walk in victory, Heavenly Father, while we are here on earth. We are just so grateful to be able to cry out, Abba, Father. And Lord, I pray this day for all those that are not with us this day. Father, I pray a blessing upon them and whatever they're doing. I pray a blessing uh, uh, upon Pastor Mike and, and Cindy as they travel up north and they're a part of uh, the Clearbrook uh, body today and that uh, his word goes forth, Lord, and they touch hearts. Father, I just pray now that you open up our hearts, our hearts and our minds, Heavenly Father, to receive from the Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, that my lips would be a, just a, a tool of the Holy Spirit, that it would be your Spirit speaking through me, Lord God, the, for the purpose, Heavenly Father, uh, advancing your kingdom. And for that, Lord, we just pray, and we just pray, Lord, that you receive all glory and honor in Jesus' name. So the kingdom of God is really ultimately what I'm going to be talking about this morning, but... But, you know, before we really get into that, we really got to talk about some politics, right? I mean, it is the political season after all. And, and how many of you know, and I don't know really today, you know, it's been a few years since I've been in school, but I don't know how civics are really taught in our schools anymore, and I don't really know if they're taught in our schools anymore. I, several years ago when Al Gore and uh, President Bush were running for office in the election was finally completed after how many counts of the chads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was traveling through uh, South Dakota, and I stopped in a gas station in Sioux Falls that one night. And a young man said, well, we've got to get rid of the Electoral College. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, we just got to get rid of that Electoral College. I said, well, don't you ever want a presidential candidate to ever come to South Dakota again? He says, well, well, what do you mean? 
I said, well, if you get rid of the Electoral College, South Dakota votes don't mean anything. They don't count. This was the foresight of our, 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 the founding fathers of our company, our country, company. I just come off of company meetings, I'm sorry. <laughs> Many years ago, but it gave us voice because we are called what's uh, really a representative republic. It's a form of democracy, but what it does, it gives us voice. Did you ever notice that the senators are two to each state? That the uh, that the congressmen represent the population of each state. It's, it, it brings a balance to our vote. Now, you, you might be wondering, well, where's John going with all this? Well, I'm just trying to give you a little bit of insight here, and it will have a purpose, so hang, hang with me. You know, our capitalism is our economic form of our system. It's based on private ownership of capital and production inputs and on the production of goods and services for profit, the production of goods and services based on supply and demand in a general market economy rather than through a central planning economy like a communist country would be. Capitalism is generally recognized by uh, competition between producers, supply and demand. On the other hand, you have communism, and it, that is really man's attempt to control land and people by the ex exercise of di dictatorship. I traveled... China, uh, many times, probably six, seven, eight times now. You know, in China, you can't own your own house, you can't, or you can't own land, I should say. You can have a 100-year lease, but you'll never own land in China. You can't pass that on to your children because it's a different form of economic, and, and, and you don't have freedom of religion there. Uh, you, you know, it's exercise of dictatorship, and this one is why a communist state repossesses, repossesses all private property and attempts to enforce productivity through oppression and coercion. It's crony capitalism at the, at the very best. I have a good relationship with a professor over in a, a university in China, and two years ago he asked me, he said, John, where is the United States of America heading? Don't they, didn't they see that it didn't work here? A dictatorship is government that concentrates its power and authority in the hands of one individual who wields absolute authority unrestricted by laws, constitution, or any social or political factor. No laws, no constitution, just a man wielding his will good or bad, over the lives of people. Don't you love talking politics, Bob? <laughs> Where I'm really going with all of this is just to give you a taste. So all of us would say probably here in America, hey, we've got the very, very best form of government, won't we? It served America well, and, and we're proud to be Americans and we don't want to see us drift away from the Constitution or what our founding fathers have uh, established. Now, as we bring other cultures in from other countries that have lived under these other uh, forms of government, I think I forgot to talk about socialism. And socialism is an economic and political system based on public or collective ownership of means of production. 
Socialism emphasizes equality rather than achievement and values by workers by the amount of time they put in rather than the amount of value they produce. So in other words, you everybody gets paid if we go to work and even if we're not productive, we should get the same amount of money or reward that a productive person gets. That's basically socialism. In other words, we're all in the classroom. I studied my buns off to get an A and my, well, let me reverse this because that's not really the way I was. I was the guy in class that would slough and just study maybe the last 10 minutes before they take the test and hopefully I get my D so I pass the course. Now, Glenn Beter, on the other hand, now he would be the guy to study and get that A. That's why I love having Glenn a part of our company. <laughs> but in socialism, if I go to class and I get a D and Glenn gets an A, well, I put the same amount of time in. Let's make it equal. Let's balance it out to get a C. Well, pretty soon the guy that's getting an A and working his tail off isn't going to work his tail off and be as productive. I mean, that's the capitalistic view of that. But what is really the perfect, the very perfect political system if we're talking about spiritual matters? Is it any one of those things? Would we say, it's, is it the representative republic? Well, you know, the great thing about it here and established in America is was religious freedom. The ability to worship in freedom. And that's, you know, really why our founding fathers came here, wasn't it? To, to establish an ability to worship God in the way that they saw in the Bible and the way they saw that they wanted to go forth. But, but God really said to us, if we want to talk about spiritually, what did Jesus say? What did he instruct his disciples to do? He said, go preach the kingdom of God. Go preach the kingdom of God. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about the other forms of government is because our Western mindset has a real difficult time understanding what a kingdom is. Because we don't know. I mean, I was even thinking about this as I was putting together. Not only do we not know it in the Western world, but how many in, in the other parts of the world even know about how a kingdom operates and what the politics of a kingdom is? Even in, in, in England today, you know, they have a monarchy and they have a queen, but it's a constitutional kingdom or mo monarchy. It's still governed, governed by, I forget what the, the uh, terminology of the different uh, House of Commons, etc., are, but there, there's a ruling class, and, and the, the queen, is, even though she has influence, she doesn't have absolutely absolute authority. But the old form of kingdoms, there was a king, and he had absolute authority. And he had a set of rules, he had a set of laws, and you lived by them, and if you did not live by them, if you, did, if you come walking into his presence, you better be low to the ground. Don't lift your head. 
or you might lose it. I mean, even today, I was kind of sh shocked. I was in, from my first trip to Thailand, uh, you know, we saw the king and the queen's picture there. Now, again, it's not an absolute uh, monarchy, but there was somebody, and I think it was a Western person, defaced by scribbling on the poster of the king and the queen. Just by writing graffiti on that poster, three years in prison. Now, we had a picture of Obama here, and somebody wrote on there, we'd not persecute him, no matter what you think about Obama, right? I mean, he does hold an office, and my politics are probably 180 degrees from the guys, but he still has an office that we have to respect the office. So, anyway, uh, getting to a kingdom, do we really understand with the mindset as a Westerner what a kingdom truly is? And is that a handicap to us as we talk about the spiritual political system, if you will? I say it is. Because I think None of us here really realize until we study and understand our position in that kingdom. If we truly understand our position in that kingdom, we will be the most excited people in the world. Because we are the king's kids. What does that mean? What does that mean? Our king is, uh, got to get back to my notes and look. But our king is a single absolute ruler in the spiritual realm. That's one thing about that uh, we need to understand. He's the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. I want to I wanna just bring a little, this is a parable, of, if you will. I'm, I hope I can tell it properly. Neither says sometimes my parables and my jokes lack a little bit of uh, good goodness, funny. But but anyway, and I'm sure that some of you have heard this before. That you know, there's a, there's a gentleman, and he was a he was a world famous uh, tightrope walker. And you know, this is the guy that walks across this tightrope, and he's got this balance beam. And uh, and anyway, he strung a a rope across Niagara Falls. Greatest, greatest feat to ever be uh, accomplished. And before he got out there, and of course the crowd gathered around because we all want to see this show, uh, he asked the people, he says, well, how many do you think, I, how many of you people out here think I can do this? How many think I can walk across this rope across Niagara Falls? And of course the crowd went wild and says, Yes, we believe you can do it. You can do it. And so it cheered him on, and off he went, and he went across that type rope, and, and of course got to the other side, and the crowd went wild, and he said, okay. He said, well, now how many of you believe I can ride a bike across this type rope? And of course the crowd went wild again, and they said, yeah, we believe you can do it. We can believe you can do it. And of course he got on that bike, and he rode across, and the next, the third time, Okay, he says, finally, he says, how many of you believe that I can walk across that rope carrying somebody? And, of course, the crowd went 
wild and they went crazy and said, yeah, yeah, you walked across it, you rode your bike across it, certainly you can carry, it, carry a person across it. He said, okay, I need a volunteer. <laughs> and I think that's sometimes how we are. Oh, we can believe, we can believe, we can believe until we're asked to believe, until we're asked to put our belief into action. Always had a friend that from uh, Greece that always said uh, knowledge without action was dead knowledge. Well, faith sometimes without action is dead faith. Uh, but I think we have to understand our position sometimes in Christ to understand and get, our, get it so our faith is not dead. So there's two kinds of kingdoms really aren't there in a spiritual sense. There's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of darkness. Now, the one thing about both of these kingdoms is what? When we, when we are sitting here and we're looking at each other, we're looking at each other in the physical world. But you know, if you believe, that the, these two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, are really invisible kingdoms, aren't they? There's a scripture that says, things that are seen are temporal. Things that are unseen are eternal. These kingdoms, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness, are eternal. This earth will pass away as we know it. Each one of us will pass away in this room as we know it. But we will go on and live in eternity. And we will either live in the kingdom of God eternally, or we will live in the kingdom of hell eternally. And God has set before us that choice. The word says so. The question is, do we believe it? Kingdom of God. Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities because for this purpose I have been sent. Luke 4.43 He, Jesus, sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Luke 9.2 Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Why did he, why do you suppose, have you ever thought or ever asked yourself, well, why did Jesus say, go preach the kingdom of God? You know, a lot of times when we go out and preach, we go out and we preach salvation through Jesus Christ. But I don't think we finish the story. Because no doubt, salvation through Jesus Christ is what we're all about. His death, his uh, resurrection, and our eternal hope and glory in Jesus Christ. Eternal glory and hope into what? What do we enter into when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? What do we, what do we, you know, why did Jesus preach and say, why did Jesus command us to go out and preach the kingdom? I submit to you, I think the one great reason that he did is because he wanted us to understand that once we accepted him as Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior of our lives, that we now enter into the kingdom of God. The question is, what does that mean? 
And why is that important to you and the way you live your life here on earth? Do you just get on the salvation train and you fall asleep? You say, Lord, wake me up when it's my time to go to heaven. We've got to live our life after we accept Jesus Christ. And what are, we, what are we doing? The kingdom of darkness, by the way, is Colossians 1.13. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. The kingdom of God is love. Now, once we, once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and I just want to say, say this. Maybe I'll wait to say this. I'll go back to my notes and not get straight off my notes. So, what are some of the things that are politically in the kingdom of God that Jesus has called us to be? Are there any office holders that we can think of in the natural? I'm talking about those other former governments that I talked about earlier uh, that are replicate of, of the kingdom of God? I'll give you one word. Ambassadors. What does it mean to be an ambassador of Christ? What does it mean to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God? Can you, I mean, can you really grab a hold of what the kingdom of God is and the fact that you've been called an ambassador of the kingdom of God? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now an ambassador of Christ. And what does an ambassador do? Does it, let me ask you this. I, I want to ask you this before I get into all the others because this is really important. Is God a respecter of persons? Is he, is he a respecter of persons? You know, it warmed my heart this morning when I came forward to prayer. And yes, the old pastor came up to help, but did you all see all the young adults, young adults, come up to pray? We've seen young children come up to pray. Now, does age, is age a barrier to being an ambassador of Christ? Does it make any difference whether you're 60, 70, 80, 50, 40, 30, 10? How's my math? 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Doesn't make any difference. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you are a full-fledged ambassador. Does it make any difference how long you've known Christ? Does it make any difference if you've known Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for 50 years, 60 years, 40 years, 10, 25, 1, or 5? And we've all come into this body of believers, and we are all different ages of children of Jesus Christ, aren't we? Some of us have been here for longer, some of us have been shorter, but when you accepted Jesus Christ, folks, you are now an ambassador. 
And there's only one thing that may separate you from one or another because it's, it's knowledge, you know. It takes time to renew our mind. One of Bob's favorite passages, renew your mind to the word in Romans. It's really important that we renew our minds. Uh, Hosea says we lack or we perish for our lack of knowledge. So as we accept Jesus Christ and become an ambassador, it's very important to study his word and to understand what the word of God says so that we can what? Represent Jesus Christ in a proper manner. You know, the dictionary says an ambassador is the diplomatic official of the highest rank, not the lowest rank. You're all of the highest rank sent by a sovereign or state to another as its resident representative, an authorized messenger or representative. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. In the Amplified, it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as though it were through us. We as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favored favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. Ephesians 6.20 For which I am an ambassador in chains that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. When you're an ambassador in chains, what it means is that you can speak boldly and you can speak without fear. Why can you do that? Because you are a part of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says the king of God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's an absolute monarchy. He has all authority. He has all power. And you're an ambassador of that kingdom. Not only are you an ambassador, but what else has God told us we are? What else has he said? We're citizens. Now, citizens is something that we can all relate to, right? Because as a citizen, we have rights. We have rights. We have a right to vote. We have a right to the protection of our government. Uh, we have a right to work. We have many, many rights. Defined by, uh, in the dictionary, as a native or natural, naturalized member of a state or a nation who owes allegiance to its government and is entitled to its protection and its privileges. We are entitled to its protection and its privileges. Do you think it's different with the kingdom of God? Do you think that you're entitled to God's protection as a member of the kingdom of God? In other words, when you are going through a hard time when you're, and you're battling things, and you know where the biggest battle takes place? Because you know what? The victory is won, right? The victory is won at the cross. Satan was defeated. 
But you know where the battle's at? The battle's at in our mind. Because we constantly try to justify our position. We constantly try to talk ourselves into acting outside of the laws and the rules and, and what God has instructed us and in how to live. You know, is it in Deuteronomy 30 that God told us to choose life or choose death? Choose misery or choose happiness? You know, if we live our life according to His law, because Christ didn't come to abolish the law, He came to fulfill it. Do you not think that He will protect us as His citizen? As a citizen of God? A citizen of the kingdom of God? Uh, in Ephesians 2.19, the Amplified Version again, it says, Therefore you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, and aliens, excluded from the rights of citizens. But you now share citizenship with the saints of God's own people, concentrated and set apart for himself. You belong to God's own household. Wow. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool to know that we are part of God's own household and that we are a citizen of his kingdom? I mean, you know, you know, we're a citizen of the United States of America and we don't get to touch the presidents and the powerful people, you know, in office, etc., because they're a distance and they're far off. But yet, because we know of our citizenship and the laws of our land, we are protected and we have privileges. But really, when it comes to the kingdom of God, to show you how much God loves us and how much God truly cares for us and, and, and people do not abandon this do not take this for granted and number one number one believe it God went further we're ambassadors of Christ we're citizens of Christ we're citizens of the kingdom of God but he went further he called us what what did he call us he called us children. Wow. Wow. Children of God that belong to the kingdom of God. Now we're in the family. Now we're in the family of God. Now, now he's, not, you know, not only does it say, in Luke 17 it says that the kingdom is within us. Can't you get excited about that? Does this build your faith to know and understand who we are in Jesus Christ. John 1.12 But as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave them the authority, the power, the privilege, and right, and the Amplified, to become children of God. That is, to those who believe and adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. Romans 8.16-17 The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit assuring us that we are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, sharing in his inheritance with him. 
Only we must share the suffering if we are to share his glory. John 4, 4. Little children, you are aware, uh, you are of God. You belong to him. You have already defeated and overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist, because he who lives in you is greater, mightier than he who is in the world. Romans 8.15 For, <coughs> For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And I looked up Abba. I said, what's Abba mean? You know, it's a, it's a Greek word that means father, but it's, it's I mean, the, the love that it expresses is un, beyond description. Father, father. We can call out father. Now, the one thing about God and the one thing about the kingdom of God is that we serve a good king. We know all throughout history there have been many bad and evil kings. But that's not our king. Our king is good. He loves us beyond measure. He went to the cross. He sent his only begotten son to do what? To die for us. For our sins. That we could repent. And not only can we repent, but we can be adopted as his children. How much you know, of, of you that have children or no children or whatever, I mean, can you know or feel anything more than the love for your own children? What would you do for your children? I mean, if you're a good father, a good mother, a good king, there's nothing you won't do for your children. There's nothing you won't do for your children. Romans 8, 8, Romans 8.15, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you, re- you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Galatians 4.6, And because you are the sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. He sent his spirit into our hearts, the Comforter. 1 Corinthians 7.23, You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So where do we really go with all of this? Well, the thing you have to understand is the power uh, of his love and your position as a believer in the family of God. You You are a child of the king. You are a child of the king. You are a part of the kingdom. He's adopted us. I was struck as I was reading through this. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, you know, I did a, a search and, you know, kept on coming up children of Israel, children of Israel, children of Israel, children of Israel. Well, in the New Testament, it switched. Children of God. Children of God. Children of God. Wow. That's pretty cool. We're children of God. So what does that mean? To be a part of the kingdom of God under that spiritual government? Well, understand this. 
what we see today with our physical eyes, it's temporal. What we don't see is the kingdom of heaven through our natural eyes. But the Holy Spirit that resides in us is every bit as real as what we see with our eyes. It's more real. It's eternal. And that's why when we pray, we can believe and expect that it's going to happen as we allow the Spirit of God to pray through us. And that's the key. I really believe as the, as the Spirit gives us unction and teaches us how to pray for healing, for deliverance, for wisdom, for sanctification, for victory, for salvation. After all, that's who Jesus really is, isn't he? He's the king. His name, I am, reveals all those things. Let me repeat them. Healer, wisdom, sanctification, provision, victory, and salvation. That is all a part of the kingdom of God. That's a part of the kingdom that we reside in. The question really becomes is, do we believe it? Do we really believe that we are the children of God and all those things are available to us? Do we really believe it? I think we do. Or at least we want to. Unless Satan starts messing with our mind and we get confused by that. I mean, and you can always tell Satan when he's playing because he's, he brings confusion, he brings fear, he brings all the things of opposite of faith and love and peace and joy and happiness and goodness and kindness and long-suffering. If you have those things, count it. It's probably coming from the kingdom of God. But if you have fear, if you have confusion, if you have dissension, if you have unhappiness, if you have all those things, you can pretty well count it. It's coming from the kingdom of darkness. And those are the two kingdoms that are eternal. Those are the two kingdoms that count. So do we represent the family today? Do you believe your king is a good king and father? Do you believe that your sins are forgiven truly? Or you, are you still basking in, woe is me. I failed again. I just can't overcome. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You are forgiven. Jesus said that his love overcometh all. Don't go on sinning. It is a battle between our flesh and our spirit. We have to feed our spirit. We feed it, feed him with his word. We feed it with prayer. We feed it with worship. Do you believe that you're a part of that wonderful kingdom? Do you believe God will meet your every need? Do you understand the power and the authority that you've been given as a child of God, as an ambassador, as a citizen? as a part of the kingdom. This one probably tweaks all of us. You might, and I think about this guy going across the typewriter on this one, and this is something that's probably, I think, the most difficult 
one for all of us to, to get. Can you trust him with your tithe and your offerings? I, I'll never forget, Nita and I, when we were newly married, and uh, Brian was a young baby, and you know, we're a typical young couple. We had too much month at the end of our money. Uh, we paid all our bills. We had $7 in our account uh, to live off of. We had probably way overused our credit cards. And you know, in those times, it really tests your faith, doesn't it? Can I really give any money? I mean, after all, we got to live. After all, we got bills to pay. After all, after all, after all, God is your provider. He asked one simple thing. Test me. Read Malachi. Test me and see if your barns won't be full to overflowing. Test me. I am your God. I am your king. I am your salvation. I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You are an ambassador. You are a citizen and you are a child. Do you believe it? And I tell you, that area of tithing is a test for all of us. None of us escape. Not me, not anybody. I've got everybody, i got all sorts of reasons that I need to invest money other places. But trust him. And I can tell you from my own personal testimony, you won't be disappointed. God's a creative force. He gives you knowledge. He gives you vision. He gives you insight. He gives you those things that you need to advance your business or your career or whatever. And I'm not speaking because only I've seen this work. I remember this church. So I happened to be sitting on the board when we were first formed. And I remember, I mean, we came out of the Word and Faith Camp, and I, you can talk to any one of the elders in the first, and we were always saying, well, you know, we got bills to pay. We just started this new church. We got, we got a building. We got a new pastor. And we'd get to tithe in, and we're, our decision was we're going to tithe to different missions around the country. And we thought, well, what we'll do is, we'll, to make it fair, we're going to collect our tithe, and then at the end of the month, we'll give 10%, and we'll divide it equally amongst the missions. The only problem was, with that was, when we did that, it got to the end of the month, and there was no money to give. Because, we, you know, there was just no money. Now, don't ask me why. So that one board meeting that one night, we all said, you know, this is really crazy, because we're falling several months behind on our tithes for the church. And we made that decision that night. You know what? Whatever comes in that week, we had probably, I'm just going to use an example. It's been a few years ago, Bob, huh? Uh, but I think we had, you know, whether well, it was four or five missions that we were supporting. And, and so what we did is we said, well, uh, we're going to divide, we're just going to sign uh, each mission group a Sunday, and whatever comes in that Sunday, they get 10%. So... If it's not equal, it's not equal. It was amazing. It was amazing. People wonder how we built this building. I think all us elders wonder how we build this building every once in a while, except for the fact that we knew God was our source. This church has never had financial problems since we started doing that. 
And I mean, you all saw the financial statement last week. This church does not have money issues. We have needs, and we want to bless others, and the way it's growing, we're going to have to expand this building. We'll need it, but, but what's the reason for tithing? Does God need your money? I mean, he wants a cattle on a thousand hills. He's the king of kings and lords of lords. He doesn't need your money. What's the purpose of tithing? It's for your own blessings. It's for your own blessings. You need to get this. You need to understand that this isn't, this isn't, uh, you get to tithe. You get to tithe because you're a citizen, you're a child, you're an ambassador. It's not an obligation. You get to. Test him. Read Malachi. Find out what he says. Don't perish for your lack of knowledge, as the Bible would tell us. And another scripture, quickly on that, is Matthew 25, 14, the parable of talents. He gave one five who doubled it to ten. He gave one two who doubled it to four. He gave one servant one who buried it and gave it back at one. And, and for that, he got called evil and wicked and was cast into outer darkness. Do you really think the owner would have punished that servant that had the one talent if he tried and failed? Not a kind and loving God. If God knows that your God knows your heart better than you know your heart. And he knows that if you're trying and you're doing what's your very, very best, I don't believe there's any way in the world that God will punish you. There's no way in the world. He wants you to just try and do your best and have faith to believe. After all, do you punish your children brutally if, they, if they're really trying and they fail at something? No. None of you do that. If, they, if, you step, if the children step out of bounds and aren't following the, the... I mean, we all have to have discipline. But discipline's different than punishment. So, citizen... Ambassador, children, do you realize that you've been adopted into a royal family and you've been given the authority to heal the sick and set the captive free? Citizen, ambassador, children, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Or can you believe that? Can you be helped in your unbelief? And again, is God a respecter of persons? Does it make any difference if you just came to Christ a week ago? Does it make any difference if you came to Christ 40 years ago? Does it make any difference if you're 60? Or does it make any difference if you're 5? God's not a respecter of persons. You are all a part of the kingdom of God. And the only person that's going to try to convince you differently from that is who? Satan. And why would Satan want to do that? Because he wants to play with your mind. Because in John 10.10, 10, it says, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. To kill, steal, kill, and destroy. And how he does that is mess with your mind and tries to convince you otherwise. 
What was Satan's power and his only power? It's deception. He was so de- he's so powerfully deceptive. Can you imagine as an angel residing with God the Father himself, Satan as Lucifer was able to deceive a third of the heavens and they fell? His deception is real. His deception is powerful. And where he's going to try to get you is in your mind. So, how do you measure that? By the fruit of the Spirit and what it brings in your life. Never forget that. Never forget that. If something's bringing you fear, confusion, anger, bitterness, all those things, that, my children of God, living in the kingdom of God, is not God. That is Satan. Because Satan, because that's what Satan brings. God's going to bring you love, peace, joy, comfort, patience, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, and the love of Christ that overcometh all. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are being destroyed for their lack of knowledge. They rejected knowledge. Don't reject knowledge. Don't reject your time in the Word. Don't reject. Please, please, please. Choose life. Do not choose death. If you choose the kingdom of darkness, I, I, I just don't do it. Choose to live the kingdom of God and believe it's real. That is my challenge to you. Do you believe today? Do you really, really believe today? Do you, are you really set and understand? And if you do, wow. You all ought to have smiles on your faces. Because you can walk out those doors today and you can say, I am the kingdom of God. I am an ambassador. I'm one of the highest ranking citizens of the kingdom. Because... God's called me to be an ambassador. He's called me to be a citizen with all the rights and all the privileges. And most of all, I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Most High Gods. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord God, for this time that we can be together. I pray, Lord God, that your scripture just sinks within our minds, in our hearts, Heavenly Father, today. And Father, that if there's anyone here, Lord God, that doesn't know you as Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, and is not a part of the kingdom, Heavenly Father, I just pray this day that uh, you reveal your kingdom to them this day, that you reveal what Christ did on the cross for them this day. Father, that you help all of us, Lord God, that have accepted you as Lord and Savior, to be able to believe, Heavenly Father, for the needs that we have in our lives, in our loved ones' lives, Lord God. Father, we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name.